0: and welcome back to the word encounter episode 93 today we're going to start our journey into the book of psalms psalms is different than the other books we've reviewed thus far insofar as uh uh, it's a first of all the word psalm means song and so uh the psalms are a collection of of poems of songs if you will uh written by several authors uh, over uh, history, David is attributed to almost half, maybe even more of the Psalms, and then you have Moses, the prophet Asaph, and and some others who contributed to the songs to the Psalms. Excuse me, and they were collected over a period of about 900 years. Uh, and, um, and um, the Psalms are presented in an organized fashion. So obviously somebody went through the time and the effort to organize things, and so they're not presented in just a haphazard fashion. And so in total there are 150 Psalms, and uh, we're not going to read every word of every Psalm, but we're going to try to hit the theme of, um, of every chapter in Psalms so that we can have an idea. Just about every aspect of life, that you're likely to encounter uh, is going to be covered in some aspect in the book of Psalms. And so, um, like I said, there's songs or poems or even prayers, you know, and so we can consult the book of Psalms uh, as we're going through life and facing different things. Before we get started with Psalms 1, uh, I just want to break down the, um, uh, the organization of Psalms. And so we find that they're presented in uh, five different books and so book one is psalm 1 through 41 book 2 is psalm 42 through 72 book 3 is psalm 73 to 89 book 4 is psalm 90 to 106 and book 5 is 107 to 150 and interestingly enough and i don't think it's by uh coincidence the books uh, of psalms kind of the themes kind of coincide with the themes of the Pentateuch, you know, as we go through Genesis, then Exodus, and then uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so they kind of are parallel to each other, if you will. And so let me read from um, the NASB uh, uh, Life Application Study Bible, how they uh, describe each of the books of Psalms. And so uh, first we have book one, and it says... While the Psalms are not organized by topic, it is helpful to compare the dominant themes in each section section of the Psalms uh, to the five books of Moses. The first collection of Psalms, mainly written by David, is similar to the book of Genesis. Uh, Just as Genesis tells how mankind was created, fell into sin, and was then promised redemption, many of these Psalms discuss humans um, as blessed, fallen, and redeemed by God. And so again, that's the book, uh, book one of Psalms, which is uh, chapter one through chapter 41. Book two of Psalms, uh, which is 42 through 72, is described as, as following. This collection of Psalms, mainly written by David and the sons of Korah, uh, is similar to the book of Exodus. Just as Exodus describes the nation of Israel, many of these Psalms describe uh, the nation of Uh, described a nation as ruined and then recovered as God uh, rescued the nation of Israel he also rescued us we do not have to work out solutions first but we can go to God with our problems and ask him for help and then book three which is Psalms 73 through 89 is described as following the collection of Psalms mainly written by Asaph or Asus uh, defendants is similar to the book of Leviticus Just as Leviticus discusses the tabernacle of God's holiness, many of these Psalms discuss the temple and God's enthronement. Because God is almighty, we can uh, turn to him for deliverance. The Psalms praise God because he is holy, and his perfect holiness deserves our worship and reverence. In Book 4, which is Psalms 90-106, through it's described as the following. This collection of psalms, uh, mainly written by unknown authors, is similar to the book of Numbers. Just as Numbers discusses the relationship um, of the nation of Israel to surrounding nations, these psalms often mention the relationship of God's overruling kingdom uh, to the other nations. Because we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we um, we can keep the events and troubles of earth in their proper perspective and lastly book five which is psalms 107 th- uh, through 150. this collection of psalms, ma- psalms mainly written by david is similar to the book of deuteronomy just as deuteronomy um, was concerned with god and his word these songs are anthems of praise and thanksgiving for god and his word most of the psalms were originally set to music and used in worship we can use these psalms today as they were used in the past as a hymn book of praise and worship, this is a book that ought to make our hearts sing. And so that's kind of a breakdown and a description of, um, of Psalms. And so with that, let's get into Psalms and uh, see what it has to say. And so this is book one, chapter one, verse one. And so, so we have here uh, the theme for this chapter, uh, chapter one, is Life's Two Roads. The life of the faithful person is contrasted with the life of the lifeless person. And in verse one, it says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the event or in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams and uh, that bears its fruit in the that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff uh, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the righteous. Excuse me. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. And so, um. In chapter 2, the theme is God's ultimate rule, written to celebrate the coronation of an Israelite king, but also Christ, the eternal king. Chapter 2, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. uh, He said to me, you are my son today. I have become your father. I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. In verse 10, so now kings, be wise, receive instruction, you judges of the earth, serve the Lord with reverential awe, and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the Son, or he will be angry, and you will perish in your rebellion, for his anger may ignite at any moment. So we see a number of references to Jesus in here. Um, let's go on to chapter three, and the theme is confidently trust God for protection and peace. Verse one How my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many um, say about me there is no help for him in God. Have you ever had anybody mock you like this? There's no help for you in the Lord. You know, you're, you're just lost. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head up. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. And so, again, we can use a lot of these things uh, for prayer, you know, as we're going through life and as we are encountering things that are coming against us. In chapter four, the theme is rejoicing in God's protection and peace. We can place our confidence in God because he will listen when we call on him. Chapter four, verse one. Answer me when I call, God, who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction. Uh, Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, exalted one, will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Many are asking, who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. I will both uh, lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. Hallelujah. In chapter 5, the theme is the lies of the enemy. God is able to defend us from uh, the lies spoken against us. Let's drop down to verse 3 in chapter 5. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. Verse 6 or verse 8, Lord, lead me in your righteousness because uh, of my adversaries. Make your way straight before me, for there is nothing reliable in what they say. Destruction is within them. Their throat um, <laughs> their throat is an open grave. They flutter with their tongues. Punish them, God. Let them fall by their own schemes. Drive them out because of their many crimes, for they rebel against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout uh, for joy forever. May you shelter them. And may those who love your name boast about you. Yes. And so for those of us that love the Lord and whatnot, we should be boasting about his awesomeness and greatness before man. We shouldn't be. You know, a lot of times people say, well, faith is a private thing. You should keep that to yourself. That's totally against what the word of God says. You know, uh, it says that if people reject the message, then we are to move on and whatnot. So you're not supposed to beat anybody over the head or anything with it. But neither are you to shy away from it and to be mum about it, you know. And so proclaim the name of the Lord and uh, proclaim his righteousness and, and, uh, and do that before man, you know. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Well, chapter 6, the thing. Deliverance in trouble, God is able to rescue us. So we see in verse 1, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaken. Verse 4. Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me because of your faithful because of your faithful love, for there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? Who can thank you when I'm dead? You know, so save me, Lord, uh, because, you know, I want to I want to bless you. And it says in verse eight, uh, Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. And so what we've been reading thus far, everything is from David. And a lot of times, David, he was running from Saul and whatnot. So he was writing down these Psalms as he's trying to escape death from Saul. Because if you recall, he will not lift his hand against Saul. He, he always called Saul the, the Lord's anointed. And so he uh, refused to lift his hand or refused to allow his men to lift their hands against Saul. And and so, but he was still terrified and running from him. And some of the Psalms are from him uh, running from his own son, Absalom, when Absalom was chasing him down, uh, trying to get rid of him so that he could become king. And so, a lot of these Psalms are written uh, in times of despair when David was on the land, basically. And so, let's go to chapter 7. And the theme of chapter 7 is a request for justice against those who make slanderous comments Ooh, god is the perfect judge and will punish those who persecute the innocent so we see in verse 1 lord my god i seek refuge in you save me from all my pursuers and rescue me or they will tear me like a lion ripping me apart with no one to rescue me verse 3 lord my god if i have done this uh if i have done this if there is injustice on my hands if i have done harm to uh, to one at peace with me or have plundered my adversary without cause may an enemy pursue and overtake me may he trample me to the ground and leave my honor in dust verse six rise up lord in your anger lift yourself up against the fury of my adversaries awake for me you have ordained a judgment let the assembly of peoples gather around you. Uh, uh take your seat on the high. Take your seat on high over it. The Lord judges the people. Uh, the Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity. <clears throat> and so I'm not reading every verse in every chapter of Psalm, but I highly encourage you and challenge you to do so. I've highlighted the things that to me um, reflect the theme of that particular chapter. But that doesn't mean that there aren't verses that will strike you different or have more meaning uh, to you. And so uh, the onus is on you. I say, I say, go forth, read all the Psalms in detail, read all the verses and see what strikes your heart, what touches you, because a lot of things will change over time as you go through different things at different stages in your life. <clears throat> So let's go on to chapter eight. And the theme for chapter eight is the greatness of God assures the worth of mankind. God, the all powerful creator cares for his most valuable creation. People. Chapter eight, verse one, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. In verse three, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, uh, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. Verse five, you made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. He's talking about man. He made us a little less than God and crowned us with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hand. Man is to be uh, uh, maintain dominion over the earth. And that is because God had ordained it back in Genesis. Uh, You made him ruler over the works of your hand. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. And so that is what God uh, had made man to do. And so we need to keep that in mind that we are to be caretakers. We are to be stewards over everything that he gave to us, which was the earth. We go into chapter nine and the theme in chapter nine is God never ignores our cries for help. Let's drop down to verse three. When when my enemies uh, retreat, they stumble and perish before you. It says, when my enemies retreat, they stumble and perish before you. In other words, when my enemies back up, when I start backing uh, down my enemies, They are stumbling and they perish before God. It doesn't say before me. It says before you, meaning God. And so implicitly that's saying that we're doing his work, you know, because we're his children and our enemies are his enemies. And if they're stumbling and uh, perishing before us, they're really stumbling and perishing before God. Verse four, you have upheld my just cause. You are seated on your throne as a righteous judge. Let's go to uh, verse eleven. Sing to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Proclaim his deeds among the nations, for the one who seeks an accounting for the bloodshed remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the oppressed. How many times we enter into situations and we cry out to God and we feel like our cries are falling on deaf ear, but the word says that he does not. He does not not hear us. He hears us. Now, he may not answer us in the way that we're looking for and we're looking in a particular direction and we're not seeing any response to our crying out. But that doesn't mean that the answers to our crying out have not been dispatched. We might not just be recognizing it. In verse 13, be gracious to me, Lord, consider my affliction at the hands of those who hate me. Lift me up from the gates of death so that i may be, so that i may declare all your praises and so he says lift me up from the gates of death lift me up from the trials and tribulations that i'm in not just for the sake of me getting on with my life but so that i may declare all your praises you see a lot of times we get lifted out of situations but then we don't acknowledge the lord's hand in his lift lifting us out of that situation we just go on with the rest of our lives and so we need to be careful about that because the Lord is due his praise. It says, I will rejoice in your salvation within the gates of daughter Zion. In verse 16, the Lord has made himself known. He has executed justice, snaring the wicked by the works of their hand. Hallelujah. And in chapter 10, uh, we see the theme Why do the wicked succeed? Although God may seem to be hidden at times, we can be assured that he is aware of every injustice. Chapter uh, 10, verse 1. Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in the times of trouble? In in arrogance, the the wicked relentlessly pursue their victims. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. Verse 4. In all his scheming, the wicked person arrogantly thinks there is no accountability since there is no God. I, if, I, if I had a, a nickel for every time somebody has either said or insinuated that, then I would be maybe the richest man in the world because you know a lot of people are, are, are behaving and acting on their own ethic because from their perspective, they say, okay, there is no God, so I'm going to do what I think is right. And if I don't think it's right, I'm not going to do it. If I think it's right, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what, the God, what God or the Bible has to say with it because essentially I'm my own God and I can do what I please. And so that is the arrogant claiming that there is no accountability before God because there is no God. In verse 13 it says... Um, why has the wicked person despised God? He says to himself, you will not demand an account again. And so if one doesn't believe there is a God, then one doesn't believe there's going to be a judgment. One doesn't believe there's going to be an accounting. One doesn't believe that, um, uh, that they're going to reap what they sow. You know? And so therefore they go about doing whatever they feel like uh, they want to do, regardless of who it impacts or who it uh, influences um, when one looks at it through the prism of the Lord, because he said that prism doesn't exist. So who cares? <clears throat> I beg to differ. In verse 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their hearts. You will listen carefully, doing justice for the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere humans from the earth may terrify uh, them no more. And so the word is saying that the, that the Lord is going to look out for these people, uh, look out for the oppressed, look out for the fatherless and whatnot, so that the unbelievers in the world will terrorize them no longer. Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the awesomeness of your word. And with that, we will pick it up in chapter 11 of Psalms tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. Bye bye now.